This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, an unofficial podcast for Leader Games Root. Episode 141, Learning the Marquis de Cat, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Music by Brian Capillis. The time travel continues. Um, now we're in oh, a yeah. super weird. Now, now I'm just a normal dad. Now it's just yeah. now I'm just a dad, and it's not a big deal. So we and are in the present currently. We will be going back into the past. This is literally the most interesting arc of the show for sure. <laughs> like it's going to be hard to top. This is our lost season five. Do you, do you guys remember five. when? Yeah, this is lost <laughs> season five level of interesting. Um, this is, you know, like a good, a good season of Doctor Who mm-hmm. level of interesting, which I don't know if there has been ever been a good season of that show. Oh, just, shots oh, fired. I've oh, never watched any I, of it. I, I love, I love the show, but I'm one of those <laughs> fans. Um, yeah. So, uh, we are now currently in the present. Um, there is a baby. Baby's mm-hmm. name is Molly. Mm-hmm. Um, love Molly. Uh, What's she has, like? Don't describe her to me, Hunter. Oh, she's great. She has, um... She has horns and a little tail. Um, <laughs> she's a little devil. She's my little devil. Um, and yeah, that's it. Um, d- have we talked about the really good prank that that we all pulled no. on you? <laughs> Go ahead. On this show? Okay, so. Re- yeah, uh, you'll have to redefine really good prank. But it's sure. probably one of the best pranks we've ever done. So um, when Matt. Matt like revealed the name to us, uh, me, our our like friends, our our tight knit group of friends that you might know from Holiday Spectacular, um, and, and other stuff. Um, but uh, I said that like they're famous, like they have credits. Um, they don't. Uh, they're not famous. Uh, although Brian, our, you know, one of our friends, you just listened to his very good root theme, which I will not get tired of talking about how yeah. good it is. It's very right. good. Um, Wandering Lake. Uh, Bandcamp. If you want more of his music, he just released released, released an album. It's really good. Um, anyways, when Matt revealed us the name, he said, "Oh, the name's going to be Molly." Um, and and later we talked about, okay, well, what if we all pretended that he said Dolly, so that the name would be Dolly Martins, as if it was a weird Dolly play Parton. on words of Dolly Parton. <laughs> um, and then we took it a step further and we bought her a bunch of baby clothes that say Dolly on it that have like Dolly puns. Yeah. And we literally, I think the best part was we pretended that it was an honest mistake. Right. That, and I feel like for a second you believed that you had accidentally mistyped her name and had said it was Dolly. Well, I assumed that because we, we we had been talking through Discord when it all happened, and you know Discord can get funky. So I just assumed a glitch happened, and you all misheard me. And at first, it was just like a lighthearted thing, and then I I like went to like a dark place with it, and was like, I I really let all my friends down by telling them the wrong name, and I've ruined I've ruined it. And I I complained about it one day, and someone some I forget who, but someone was like, okay jigs up can't can't let matt hate himself over this dumb prank time to come clean yeah 
Yeah, and then you got the and then you got the baby clothes, and, and then I got great. the baby clothes after the jig was up. So it's like, why the what's clothes the are point? still too big, right? Like, I yeah, can't she have won't, any dolly. She won't photos wear them yet. for another another little bit. One of them's probably close. She's probably close uh, to to ready to wear good uh, a, a onesie. Um, but but yeah, I guess I guess I'll take a picture of her in that one time and then throw oh, it away. Dolly, <laughs> I love uh, I love Dolly. That's a, that's gonna be my nickname for her forever. I'm sure. Uh-huh. And, uh, she yeah, will I grow think, to. I think, you've all I think she'll that. grow to love it, and then she'll grow to hate it. Um, <laughs> so there you go. As she will with all things. <laughs> <laughs> As she will probably with board games in general. Uh, well, anyways, let's talk about root because yeah, sure. this is supposed to be our first actual root, uh, not guide, but like. These are not uh, guides. These are not guides, and we've actually already we recorded. Having, I, what I've noticed is that we never want to call keep, a thing the thing. We're, we're going to keep moving the goalpost on what <laughs> it is that we do here, probably forever, because I have noticed no matter what we call it, we just can't give the right impression to yeah. people. Um, well, so we did the learn to learn, and then last time mm-hmm. we wanted to do this cat's guy, we were like, you know what, we have to. We got like that. That's such a funny thing to say. After I said that, we have episodes called Learn to Learn, where mm-hmm. we're like, listen, we're not necessarily trying to teach you anything. Yeah, we want to couch this real quick and say <laughs> that maybe we're just giving you general good stuff to hear before you actually learn. Exactly. We're not even confident enough to teach you how to do it. <laughs> we're not good we're teachers. N- we're not good teachers. We just um, talk. We just know how to talk for an hour and 20 minutes. That's our, yeah, that is our re- skill set. Reliably. That's basically it. We are a sounding board for you all to to just kind of bounce off of, yeah. I would say. Um, so it. then we did an episode that was just like, ah, we really need to talk about some of like the basic mechanics a little bit more in depth before we can break down all of these very, very different factions. And then like last week, we recorded the guide for the birds that you won't hear for two more weeks so that one is in the past of this present moment but you'll hear Mm -hmm. it in the future so that's fun uh but but now we're here ready to actually talk about the cats but we're gonna it's it's more or less an overview and hunter you're gonna teach us what it is like to kind of hit the ground running with cats yeah how to not this isn't like a top tier hunter's best strategy to always win with the cats this is like a how do you even start to comprehend all of the mechanics so that you can teach yourself how to get better. Yeah. Um, I want to thank some, I want to thank some Patreoners uh, at the top here that have contributed to this um, because I I normally like to try and make notes of what like, but some of the stuff that we got for the cats was pretty general. And also I think very solid. Um, uh, Garrick, I think is how you say, yeah, it's Garrick. Garricks, I should say, um, contributed some really good thoughts to this. Um, I uh, always get good uh, root talk out of Bot Bot yeah. and uh, Murder She Root. Um, all of those people have been. Uh, I actually played recently. I'm, I'm just going to mention Dallums. I recently recently played with uh, with them. I think uh, um, the it looks like the Defteris contributed some stuff. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just want to thank those people for contributing to the uh, pre-discussion for cats. Yeah, I I, um, I kind of want to extra throw out uh, Garrick, Guerrick, whatever it is, because... Uh, Garrick's. Garrick's. Uh, when, when we were about to write it last time, he had uh, they had just recently put kind of all of their thoughts on the table, and their thoughts changed like what you like you were able to go back to the drawing board a little bit and like you were like i need to play a couple games with these new thoughts in my head yeah and like it almost reshaped 
this whole thing. Uh, yeah, in, in last minute, it was just, I think I was kind of stuck in between two approaches, mm-hmm. basically. And I think uh, there was there was a very specific piece of the puzzle uh, that, that Garrick's uh, contributed that wasn't something, I, I, I want to put this in, I want to couch this a little bit and say, it's not that these people write the thing. It's it's that I feel like Patreoners are assigning points to different approaches. Yeah. And if so many people give points to one approach, I'll be like, okay, I need to think about this one more. Right. And I felt like uh, they kind of gave the the like the tie breaking one. Yeah. Where I felt like, case. okay, right. Yeah. Let's so let's let's a go lot of that, that will kind of resemble their thoughts. Uh, Hunter, I'll help you break down the abilities, and then I want you to tell me how we how we set these uh, cats up because the cats right. will always and forever get to set themselves up. Every other faction is kind of based off of where the cats start. So that's going to be totally. a big conversation. But before we even totally. do that, we have to talk about the keep, which is a little token that you have. Only you can place pieces in the clearing with the keep token. So that's basically mm-hmm. your your big protected uh, position. And then you have an ability field hospitals. Whenever any Marquis warriors are removed, you may spend a card matching their clearing to place those warriors in the clearing with the keep token. So the keep is this very important defensive structure that uh, lasts most of the game. It can be pretty difficult to kill the keep or even I hear lots of people say if your players are focusing on killing your keep, you've either way already lost or they're going down a, a bad path that's not actually leading them right. to like a really great win or anything like that. Um, yeah, so Hunter, getting distracted. in setup, then the cats are the first to set up and they get to place their keep token in a corner clearing and then they get uh, warriors in every single other territory except for the opposite corner and mm-hmm. then they place one of each building and so right from the very get-go i feel like there's some pretty major decisions the cats have to undergo and where do we start our thinking with this uh with this process yeah so um i i think it's easier for me to list the variables that you're going to want to consider mm-hmm. and then over the course of this episode, we will kind of come back to those variables. Yeah. So you might not understand this right off the top. Um, but the things you need to think about are your your opening hand. You'll have drawn three cards before this setup. Um, and what that means is you can consult the cards and say, okay, is there anything in here that we're going to want to craft? Now, obviously, uh, once we get to the crafting section, we'll talk about what cards in the base deck are good, what cards in the Exiles and Partisans deck are good. But some general considerations, I would say uh, overall, we kind of favor favor um, bunny and mouse clearings, or, or sorry, bunny and fox clearings, yeah. rabbit and fox clearings, I should say. I should use their words. Bunny is a weird, a word that is kind of bad, <laughs> actually. Everyone says bunny, but it is actually rabbit. Um, I just say that because that messes me, it, it does mess me up sometimes. Yeah, yeah it, trying to just, write between it's two the words that means the same thing, but like even in our root over, um, our root overlay, yeah, for uh streaming, it is uh, bunny is b is for b. bird. I versus, did that to yeah. you, yeah, you did <laughs> that to me, that. And, it, and it messes me up every single time. I'll fix um, it, <laughs> but yeah, so well, you can't fix it because bird. Bird, oh, is, bird a is a B. There's yeah, no other. Have... There's not like I don't want you to put in. You know, make it like uh, foul or something. Like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So overall, uh, I think rabbit is probably always going to be good. Fox is always going to be good as far as where you put the workshop. Um, I think putting the sawmill. Uh, well, let's talk about the idea of putting the sawmill where uh, your keep is. Um, 
that's okay because you've got your keep is probably going to be the most defended, easy, easy to defend uh, spot. Mm-hmm. And the thing about sawmills is they spawn wood every time. So you could end up in a situation where you have wood that you don't need to or don't want to spend. And when you do that, you are basically leaving a point on the board uh, for others. Mm-hmm. So I would say that is generally uh, not a great practice. We want to try and spend the wood that we're producing because as it sits there, it's kind of vulnerable to uh-huh. attack. So that's a good reason to maybe put the sawmill in the keep. However, if the keep uh, clearing is the one where you want to put up the, the workshop, it could go differently. Um, right. And obviously there are four different maps. So it's hard to completely in one section sum up exactly how you should uh, place these. Right. I will say... It doesn't seem that important where you put the recruiter. I would just say put it in a place that isn't in the way. Um, The recruiter in the keep spot is probably not, there's not, not, maybe not a point to that. Yeah. Um, I definitely would put it in one of the other spots, but you could have up to three. I mean, yeah, I mean, I can see, I can see the arguments for like putting those recruiters on the front lines as long as you know, like that front line isn't going to get immediately targeted or whatever but like towards the front because your movement is going to be so limited your actions are going to be so limited getting your recruits out forward might be better yeah depends on how much you even end up recruiting okay but that's that's why i'm just saying like not at the keep yes so like yeah yeah, yeah, all all, all of the other spots you can place it i mean they they're still just one adjacent from that so basically sawmill and workshops sawmills and workshops probably in or very close to the keep and recruiters not yeah is the gist totally totally okay and 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 i would say definitely i mean even even a situation where let's say you want to place the workshop and the sawmill in the keep uh the thing that that i like to do so like let's say i have a uh, i have a bunny or a rabbit card that i want (laughs) to craft in my opening hand uh and we have the keep in a rabbit corner and that has two building slots there i'm probably going to want to put two workshops there because they're going to be protected. And I mm-hmm. like the idea of like, okay, I've, I'm starting this game being able to craft two rabbit. Yeah. I'm going to be able to craft whatever it is, whatever the card it is in my hand that I want to craft. But the other thing, and this applies to both decks, is that two rabbit will get me um, a lot. <laughs> bake sale. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that is worth three victory points. So yeah. that's that's not a bad investment um, at the top. Yeah. Uh, sorry if we're kind of that. Like it's hard to describe the setup without jumping ahead to everything else. But right. I think that's all we can say about the setup at this yes, point. Yes, definitely, definitely. Okay, so let's get into like what actually makes up a cat's turn. I feel like we could also real quickly give an overview of like what the building structure and the point structure for cats is before yeah. we get into all this other stuff because that's all that. gonna that's all gonna matter. So if you're looking at your marquees to cat sheet, you have. 18 buildings <laughs> you have a yeah. lot of friggin buildings you have way more than anybody else and they all get you points in different ways um, and they all gradually cost more with each new iteration of the same building that you're trying and we say to build. When, when we say cost more we mean uh the wood, wood. that your sawmills will produce in the bird song of of every uh right. every time it's your turn right um, so, so yeah, so, they're they're not all equal. It's like three different right. tracks with three different buildings, and they don't all add up to the same. In fact, they're all different. But I think 
Uh, overall, work workshops and sawmills are worth a little bit more. Yeah, workshops um, are worth the most, just barely ahead of sawmills. And then recruiters mm -hmm. are actually a decent amount below. But recruiters are the only way you improve your card draw. So yeah. there's very much a sense of like you're going to be kind of increasing all of them together up to a point. You don't really get to just like completely sprint down one track and ignore the others. That would be almost impossible to pull off. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say it's actually structured by the way the the wood cost increases yeah kind of forces you to play around in the different tracks yeah but i will say overall it does seem like you kind of get to choose one as more of a focus or two yeah. as more of a focus and then one always kind of gets left behind right um i would say you know one thing to be thinking about going into this is it's pretty easy i feel like if you've played any strategy games to understand the cats but as you get to go as you get to know root overall um, what you kind of realize is the fact that they have three different buildings yeah. that do three wildly different things is very inefficient compared yeah. to every other faction in right. Root. Every other faction yeah. have tokens or buildings even that serve multiple purposes right. that are not all split up like this. Yeah. So the, the, the problem a reason, of the cats is a problem of real estate. Basically. It's a problem of real estate. The, the, the cats are very much the like first faction to learn because it's the most familiar with other games, I would say. Yes. Uh, yeah. the, the most kind of like, oh yes, you build a bunch of buildings and they do, you know, it's the most like, it's almost like Terran from Starcraft. Yeah, it's, it's, I, it's we like, were about to say the yeah. same thing. I'm Starcraft, you're Warcraft. But yeah, you, it, literally, it literally is that of just like, well, my, my barracks do this and my engineer mm -hmm. building does that, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, the other thing too I wanted to say about the inefficiency of the Marquise de Cat is we're going to get into uh, like where you rule a lot, like ruling territories. And I just wanted to make the special consideration of I think the rule rule only exists for the cats. Nobody else tends to care as much about ruling territories. Think about how many factions break the rules when it comes to ruling territories. Yeah. The lizards, the eerie, the uh, the otters, the vagabond, the corvids. Like literally everybody gets to ignore rule in multiple in different some ways. Way. In yeah. some way. It literally is a thing that only exists to hinder the cats. Yeah. Well, I don't. I mean, it it still hinders some of those factions. Sure, but in not anywhere to the degree that it does. No. Generally speaking, for the cats, um, yeah, you start out with a cat in every clearing. Um, many of those cats, depending on what factions are also uh, on at the table, will maybe even be basically locked down yeah. and just kind of stranded. Even at the beginning, I right. mean, the lizard cult basically strands at least a cat. Yeah, basically. Um, and yeah, so it, that's something that you should get used to. It's also not the end of the world. I would say, I think early <laughs> right. on when I was playing the cats, I would feel like, no, some of, I, I have control of the entire forest and then immediately it kind of gets taken away from me. It's like, yep, yeah, that's going to happen. That's right. just kind of the story of the game. Right. Um, unless, I mean, if I would say the base, just the base factions, you do feel a little bit more comfortable because mm -hmm. the birds are the only... Uh, kind of territory control faction that you're going to have to contend with. Yeah. But if you're playing with all the expansions, that will not be the case. Every time, <laughs> right, so. right. So, okay, let's get into then their actual turn structure so we can start to figure out like what we actually want to do in the beginning of the game and yes. throughout the game. So their bird song is incredibly basic. You don't even, you just place a wood at every sawmill that you have. Yes. So yes. the more sawmills you get, the more wood you get, which means lets you build more buildings. So it makes sense that we should be trying to kind of get a decent amount of sawmills down so that yeah. we can always have a ready supply of wood. 
Yeah. But then the daylight hunter is where things explode and I can't <laughs> I have extreme difficulty figuring out uh, like what is you know what all to do. So right. walk me through their daylight and uh, the I guess kind of the hierarchy of their different orders that you, that you can do the you know the best things that they can do and kind of the worst uh, ways to spend your time. Yeah. So we've already talked about the problem that they have uh, with real estate and with buildings. Um, we're going to use the wood uh, to build buildings, uh, and they take up a lot of space. There's another problem that the cats have, which is that they have a need for a high amount of card draw. But like I said, uh, we only get card draw from building recruiters, which is one of three buildings that we need to build. Right. We have a limited amount of building slots. Um, so the first thing that's going to happen in daylight is we're going to craft using workshops. Now, this is just talking about craft. I could talk about crafting and cats for a long time. Um, but what I will say right now is that you want to be able to craft. Yeah. There are a lot of abilities that uh, you can get through various cards that will make your life a lot easier. Um for some pretty obvious reasons when we get to the next section. Um, the other thing is that obviously crafting will get you more points. Mm -hmm. um, now, I'm definitely not gonna say that <laughs> your most reliable way to win in every game as cats is gonna be through getting 30 points. I think they are definitely a faction that people consider domination with, um, maybe even more often than than some other factions. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say, it. I'm definitely not someone that is like, it's definitely all about domination for cats. I'm not right. solidly in the domination camp. So in that way, I do still feel like considering where you're placing your workshops in order to be able to craft items that will then get you victory points is an important consideration. Now let's talk about the second half of this. Um, so what happens after crafting is we get to take three actions unless we spend a bird card for an extra action. And I would say that extra action is pretty critical because this here we've reached another problem. Have you have you counted the problems cuz we <laughs> this is the third problem we've gotten to and we're only 10 minutes into this. <laughs> yeah. Uh so the the third really major problem is that we are limited to 3 actions um and it is generally speaking not enough. So we kind of have a problem of there's there's all these buildings that we're trying to build and we're trying to take up all this space. Um, and we're trying to craft things, but we also need to spend uh, cards to get extra action so that we can mm -hmm. do enough actions to make all these. It's you'll almost never be able to do everything that you want to do. Right here are here are the actions that you are allowed to take. Um, you can have a battle in a clearing. Um, you can do a march action, which means that you do two different movements. So that's nice. That's a nice thing that's they put in there. A little gimme, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of a gimme that you get to move. Your, your move action actually allows you to do two moves. Um, we can recruit, which means we get a cat in every clearing that we have a recruiter. Um, we can build in a clearing we rule. Um, this Here's an important note. Uh, the way that you build is that you, you will take uh, your wood tokens and you will spend them in order to build a building. The wood token that you spend is physically located in the clearing with the sawmill that produced it. Now, in order to use that wood, you need to rule mm -hmm. the clearing with the sawmill, the clearing that you're trying to, to build at, and there needs to be a path of clearings in between the wood and the clearing you're trying to, to build at. 
uh, and you need to rule all of those clearings in between. So that I, I would say, uh, Matt, in the thing you were saying with like, oh, it feels like rule exists mostly to to hurt cats. Yeah, I would say that is a very good example of, <laughs> of where this a, a, is a, a way that that, <laughs> yeah. that that makes sense. So so with cats, you kind of always have to make sure that you you are maintaining control of of an entire area. You're yeah. you're like the opposite of something like uh, the the duchy, where right. you can kind of move around and place your buildings. They don't, there doesn't need to be like a network, but there has right. to be a, a, a network with cats. Otherwise you're gonna kind of start running out of gas and, and running out of space uh, yeah. in order to build. Um, the last action you can do is called overwork. Uh, you spend a card uh, that matches the clearing of a, uh, of a clearing where you have a sawmill mm-hmm. and then uh, you will produce another wood. So that eats an action. That's one of your three, but right. you get another wood for free. It's, uh, it's crazy it's how costly that is. It costs is, a card. Though. Yeah, it yeah, costs the card, and it costs yeah. the action, of which you only have three plus uh, yeah. compared to, like, when you look at, like, a round five Eerie who has, like, t- 10 actions or whatever. I mean, it's it's not that many, but it's a lot. Uh a, compared to your three, like cats very quickly fall behind uh, is, yes. is the biggest feeling I get. I, I feel like you get to do the most early when everyone else is also kind of not doing very much. But you do you so f- quickly see that you've completely fallen ab- behind. So overworking is something that always scares me. Um, recruiting is always usually something that scares me because I never have enough. I don't have enough recruiters. I, I can Recruiting is such an interesting one to me because I can see where it could be really valuable. If you get all your recruiters down doing a recruit action is like huge that's so many yeah. warriors hitting the board all at once but those re- that that recruitment and those units have to be to some particular end that gets you points and that's the difficulty of of the recruitment so so yeah. the building feels like the biggest deal because that's where i can look at my board and i can see there are loads of points available to me the more i build yeah uh, yeah i would say overall um, you are definitely incentivized point-wise uh, to, to build buildings, to, to always be building. Um, you are, I mean, you can try and set the forest on fire and get points uh, from, dis- from removing tokens, mm-hmm. but you're kind of always at, you're always kind I feel like at a disadvantage of that because you um, are spread thin the most yeah so while you start with uh technically the most uh pieces on the board uh it's just not very efficiently spread Um, right so so, and i feel like prioritizing uh burning the forest down in like you know specifically building as many recruiters as possible and having as many cats out there as possible isn't as going to reliably add up to a point victory. Yeah. Now, if we're talking about domination, it's kind of a different story. That's a whole other, um, okay. If, gotcha. if we go in a domination direction, we need to start prioritizing uh, building recruiting uh, uh, recruiters. Yeah. Are they called? They're called recruiters. Yeah, they that's, are. It feels recruiters. like such a weird. I know, term. doesn't it? <laughs> it does feel odd. <laughs> I want it to be I, barracks I, or something. <laughs> yeah, I want it to be barracks too. Um, but yeah, so so building building those recruiters could be could be really important, and I, and I think in every game of cats, I kind of start out being like, okay, so first I'm going to kind of think about sawmills and workshops. Mm-hmm. However, if, uh, if I don't really get a, like, uh, a good, um, 
card draw as mm-hmm. far as like, do I end up drawing cards that are useful or do I end up drawing cards that are not useful? Right. Um, if I get not useful cards, then I kind of start thinking like, okay, do I maybe it? Do I maybe need to go for a dominance victory? And if I do, then I'm going to start. I'm going to start prioritizing building uh, recruiters because uh, it's. And and the other thing is, I I'm not trying to say don't build recruiters at all. Right. You almost always need to get to at least that first. Sp- slot where you get an extra card draw right your, your third have, recruiter seems very important yes um because we you know we need bird cards in order to get extra actions we need cards in, e- in order to be able to overwork and mm-hmm. like maximize our efficiency as far as how many buildings we are building right um but yeah that i feel like that's a good summation of these actions for now uh, we will continue to yeah, talk about totally. all of this as we go so um our, our yeah. evening is equally as basic as our bird song. It's just when we draw cards. And again, yep. when you have recruiters, you get more card draw out of it. Uh, I think we should talk about some openers. But I I had a question while you were talking about that stuff about totally. uh, dominance victory. Because I think a lot of the rest of this episode, we're going to kind of focus much more on the crafting workshop path and and sort of lay the the dominance path aside but i'm just i wonder hunter if you started the game and your opening hand had a had a dominance card in it from the get-go would you just all in on that dominance like from the start of the game is that like a do you find that very valid or is yeah is even um, then it's still like you kind of need to suss things out and and figure out where you end up here are the considerations. I, I love actually this this idea because I think this is the only the only way I would ever consider going for a dominance victory from the beginning. Um, the consideration is which dominance card is it? Um, I feel like the bird one is actually kind of a I, I don't love that one. Yeah. I don't love the idea of trying to control two corners as the cats. That sounds because we already talked about needing a network, and that is yes. very specifically not a network. <laughs> now, if the way the layout of the map that we're playing on is is such that I can put my keep in one of the clearings that I need, and then adjacent to that is another clearing that I need, now I'm tempted. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on, you know, where is that third clearing? Is, is it, is it really out there or is it, is it close enough to where I feel like I could go for it? Um, in which case, yeah, I might, I might be like, okay, we're going to set up for a dominance victory from the very beginning. However, the thing about even going for a dominance victory is I feel like there are going to have to be, because of our limit on actions, we are still going to need to craft some cards. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then it kind of comes down to to your deck. I think if I was going for like, uh, just to skip ahead a little bit, um, I think if we're talking base deck, I'm probably going to minimum want two rabbit workshops. Yeah. If we're talking exiles and partisans, I maybe would go two fox. Yeah. Depending on the cards that are in there. Um, I think... If I'm going for a dominance victory, I'm basically going to specialize in like, I just want the cards that give me extra actions that allow me to fight and move more because this is just going to be a positional thing mm-hmm. and that that's basically all that's going to matter. Imagine right. the idea of uh, oh, and it should be noted. This is actually a really good, uh, really good thing to note right now that uh, we have skipped. Uh, you can only recruit one time per per right. your turn. That's you cannot, true. You cannot turn your double recruiters. Recruit. Yeah, Dang. you can't double recruit. So. 
So regardless of, of how you kind of map this out, that is I don't want to mislead you guys and, and make you think that, oh, the idea is you get a bunch of extra actions and then recruit over and over. That will not work. Yeah. So if you are going for this, you are going to have to build, they're going to have to put a lot of recruiters you gotta, down. You need to recruit every single turn and get yeah. them. Like one yeah. one of your, you have two actions per turn and you recruit once a turn. Yes. Is, is yes. how it almost would have to shake I would out. almost like... To, like I think in in this situation, try and make it look like I wasn't going for a domination victory, yeah. but just happened to throw my recruiters down in those yeah. particular clearings that I need, and then on the turn that I go for domination, I recruit and march everything strategically mm, into mm-hmm. just those uh, places, and then hopefully I already have some cards crafted that are will be useful. So, yeah. Um, that was a lot. Sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. But... Big, big sidetrack, but it's kind of the last time we're really going to talk in depth about like the dominance pathway because there's so much to talk about in the other direction. Yeah, yeah. I feel like overall um, crafting is going to maybe be... It's going to... I feel like in listening to this episode, it's going to sound like we're not that into dominance. It just feels like there's... It's a little harder to talk about a dominance cat victory. Yeah. Uh, in the context of what we're doing right now, but it not to say that it isn't um, right. viable or is going to make a lot of sense in right. in a majority of games. It, it can totally happen that way. So but it is kind of random chance. I feel. Yeah. Like. Exactly. So to to redivert back to what we were talking about, then Hunter, give me some openings uh, for cats. Again, this we we've already talked about the setup. Um, but yeah. now we're on to our first turn. Hopefully we're going first. That's like the best case scenario for cats is yeah, if they yeah, were literally yeah. the first action so that they can get some stuff done. When the eerie goes before the cats, that is always, or the duchy, either either control faction, when they go before, it always hurts really bad. But Hunter, what are what is your favorite opening? And I feel like cats are in the, the fun position of being one of the few factions where you really do have opening strategies. I mean, in, in yeah. the same way that you That's do true. in like any uh you know real-time strategy game or whatever like there there are openings to these that that make a lot of sense yeah so um i think my favorite opening right now is um first action build sawmill second and this is assuming i don't have any bird cards so Mm. i just have the three actions build sawmill uh overwork so spend one of my cards in order to get another um, lumber and then build a workshop um that that there's a couple caveats to that. Um, if I don't have anything that my workshops are going to be able to craft that's useful, I might think about throwing down a recruiter instead of a workshop. That's about mm. the only consideration I'll allow there. Um, I think overall, I think sawmill and workshop, even if I don't have anything good in my hand, I think sawmill and workshop is probably going to be the the best bet mm-hmm. at the very beginning. Um, notice I'm not... I'm basically not marching. Um, if I have a bird card, I might spend it in order to do a march, in order okay. to move some of my cats back from uh, from the other side of the board. Yeah, right, consolidate um, your forces a bit. But I'm not, honestly, I'm not too worried about it. I'm more interested okay. in throwing, uh, throwing down some buildings that are going to help me get more buildings. Obviously, I feel like the sawmill is something I struggled with for a long time. Uh, I played a lot of cats games where I didn't want to build any sawmills because I was just like, well, all they do is get me wood and I can overwork anyway. So I could just like you go kind of sawmill light, but, um, you need to be, you need to be building, I think max, like as, as many, as many things you can throw down gives you more and more options. The workshops open up options, the recruiters open up options in card draw and, uh, 
and more cats, basically. Yeah. Um, I w- can't really find a reason to battle turn one. Um, yeah. Your cats are very spread out at the very beginning. Um, I and even guess- recruiting. I mean, if you only have, if you're only starting the game with one recruiter, it's yeah. pretty lackluster to yeah i i would prefer to to wait to actually use a recruit action until i have more recruiters down and and it is actually a little more um worth it um let's see the only other uh opening i would maybe consider is only building one building um in which case i think it would probably be a sawmill i don't love that yeah um and then doing two marches in order to really consolidate uh, my cats a little bit. But, I mean, as cats, uh, depending on the other factions, like, you're you're going to have a rough go of it. It's going to feel like you're having a rough go of it at the beginning of almost yeah. every single game because the other factions are, they they start more consolidated. They get to just kind of spread out slowly and in, and in greater numbers than you have. So if you consolidate or not, like, you're gonna you're gonna lose a lot of ground. You're gonna lose a lot of fights. I would rather, honestly, at this point, leave the cats uh, on the front lines out there because a lot of times people don't even bother attacking them because it's just one cat. Mm-hmm. So all you have to do is send two things and you rule that. And and a lot of the other factions, as opposed to you, um, they generally will have a slower start as, as far as how many actions right. they can do at the beginning. Right. Uh, so the idea of them wasting an early action on attacking you, uh, generally they're like, no, nah, I'd just rather overrule there. So what that means is you'll have all these cats kind of on the front lines that they're like stuck out there. <laughs> right. But if you, if by the time you get to the mid game, you're doing a little bit better, a lot of times I find I get to kind of uh, liberate those cats from the front the uh-huh. front lines like they're sitting out there and then eventually i'll rule right next to them and i can now march order that cat uh back or even march my cats forward in order to take that spot and now i've just got you know an extra guy that was sitting there the mm-hmm. whole time waiting to kind of activate right um so yeah I, I i would say don't worry too much about leaving cats on the front lines um because i find oftentimes that they don't end up dying so yeah so we're prioritizing uh, buildings almost more than anything else. We're leaving our some cats on the front lines. We're trying to just make sure we have an actually stable network near the keep or like in whatever, you know, whatever network actually makes sense. But I kind of, before we get into um, our crafty corner, uh, the crafty corner, before we go there. The best segment uh, of the show. I want to uh, kind of lay the last bit of framework because it's going to really, really inform crafty corner uh because there's some pretty i think we're gonna make (laughs) we have some obvious favorites and i just want to drive home why we're uh so into crafting and so into workshops so first off like we said earlier workshops net you the most total points if you built all five of your extra workshops you would get more points than if you built all five of your sawmills or all five of your recruiters yes and also workshops allow you to craft items that you get you even more points so the investment the the investment you get for workshops is is the best investment in the game right you 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 can get just bucket loads of points and you also can get abilities that help you do more to further get points by destroying stuff battling and moving so so you know right now i feel like someone could be listening and be like well if you over invest on workshops then that will not help you if you end up going for a dominance play that's actually not true right because you're now going to be able to craft cards that allow you to positionally take uh, better advantage of a dominance uh, play and, right. and actually make it easier for you to shift into dominance even from 
uh, like a more point focused game. Yeah, yeah. So workshops are uh, they can be awkward to use because getting our getting everything in, in exactly the right positions is difficult. Like you said earlier, Hunter, every other faction seems to just be able to craft out of any of their buildings or yes, in some cases just wherever they are. But we have to very intentionally plan where our workshops are because that's the only way we actually do our crafting. Yeah. Uh, so we're super prioritizing it, even though it's going to be difficult. So we we empathize with all of the things Hunter is about to recommend. We know that this is sometimes easier said than done because yeah, I the think, workshop game can be so tricky. Yeah. So I think one, one possible uh, flaw of the way that we're talking about cats right now is that uh card draw because we're not saying like oh i i feel like the priority that we're kind of laying out is workshops are great sawmills are a necessary evil mm -hmm. um and then there's recruiters right. uh I, and i'm definitely not saying don't build any but i'm but i'm not i'm not saying that from the get-go you should be like oh we're going for a dominance path i'm going to try and maximize how many cats i have on the board mm -hmm. uh, and just go straight for recruiters i don't feel like that is the way for me at this point in the mid game you can possibly transition into that um, especially if you're like losing a lot of ground, which happens yeah. a lot. So it could be that somebody comes and destroys various buildings and you decide to replace those buildings with recruiters this time right. instead of um, workshops. That's almost better even uh, if you've already gotten some useful cards that we're yeah. about to list here. Right. Um, but overall, let's talk about, let's start talking about cards. Let's talk about okay. the base deck. Let's do the base deck. Hunter, earlier you said we were going to prioritize uh, Rabbit. Um, yes. what is, what is the actual, if we could have the exact amount of, uh, workshops, you know, if, if we, if we could yeah, really perfect yeah. the layout, what do we want? And then we'll, then we'll go into the cards and like describe why exactly. But yeah. But so in the base deck two bunny, uh, is, I would say the highest priority and essential. There are, there are so many cards that we can list that we are going to list in a second yeah. that all require uh two bunny or even one bunny. Um, in order to craft, and they're all very, very good. Um, one mouse is okay. There are a couple cards we'll talk about that that cost a mouse. It's pretty optional, but uh, it it is definitely it's definitely going to pay off if you if you already have the card that you need. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. a lot of this is informed by the cards that you draw, which is right. impossible for us to anticipate. Right. Um, one fox also good. Uh, possibly two foxes is good depending yeah. on again if you get those cards that we're right, about to right. list so but two bunny you could it, like let's say you start you just draw your first your hand is crap there's nothing in it in that that uh that first three cards that you get it's just like these are not useful none of this is craftable in any way that i should prioritize just get two bunny yeah like right. the likelihood that you're going to draw a card that costs two bunny in the base deck that is good for it's you pretty is likely. quite high yeah yeah so so let's talk about uh the two parts of this then because there's the the one mouse and one or two fox and two bunny uh really specifically nets us a lot of points just in crafting items and then mm -hmm. the reason the two rabbits really drives its point home is then becomes the abilities i would say the mouse and fox abilities are something we don't necessarily prioritize as no. cats there's some that are going to be fine but a lot of them uh, are bird cards like a lot of the fox things that we would want to build are yep. bird cards yep. so that's going to always become a problem uh yeah so and so so the fact that so like brutal tactics yes. is a good example uh that one costs two fox right um 
and what it gives you an extra hit in battle i believe yes. as offense as um, attacker yeah exactly yeah so so the thing there is um is that you know we could we could use it that way and and then we got to invest in the two fox right um which is isn't the worst thing because we also get to craft like swords off of that. Yes. Um, well, that's okay. So that that's kind of the point I wanted to get to was real quick laying out just all the points that are available through these this territory layout. So two bunnies gets us protection racket and bake sale. The coins. Yeah. The coins the are worth three points a piece. That is the top dollar, right? That's yeah. the best yeah. we can get for crafting items. So we right. super duper want those. Then we only need one mouse because root T is a single clearing for two points, which yeah. uh, is one of the rare cases where you can get that. The other rare case is in a single fox crafting the hammer, which is your anvil card, right? So those that's why you only need two rabbit, one mouse, one fox. Because with, within that, if you drew those four cards, you just net yourself 10 points. Yeah, which is huge. Pretty great. Then the last one is arms trader. Two foxes is another two points for a sword, but that's a bird card. It's a little tricky, but but in general, the points makes the two bunny, one mouse, one fox makes sense to really drive that home. Then okay, Hunter, we were just talking about some of the abilities. Let's talk about the rabbit abilities (laughs) that are through the roof. uh, Yeah, can you read me? uh, Let's let's talk about Better Burrow Bank. Okay, Better Burrow Bank is at the start of Bird Song. You and another player draw a card. Yeah, so that's obviously really important because we have a card draw problem that we need to solve. And getting an early Better Burrow Bank, I feel like, makes the game completely different. Like if I draw, if that's one of the first cards I draw, I'm like, wow. This is going to be one of those more fun yeah. uh, cat games right. than, than others because it, a one one card every uh, every turn uh, it adds up to a lot, especially if you get it early. It's yeah. kind of a hunter's law principle right. there. Right. Um, our other two favorites are the same idea, uh, which is Command Warren at start of daylight you may initiate a battle, and yeah. Cobbler at start of evening you may take a move. And this all comes down to that action economy problem cats are just so incredibly limited so using two bunnies to just net ourselves additional actions per round is never gonna hurt (laughs) i mean that's that's never bad i i I totally agree um one of the things about cobbler that is quite annoying is the fact that it is at start of evening Mm -hmm. means that you cannot use that extra movement in order to like do a battle yeah well yeah you can't you can't use it for battle but you i i would say even worse than that you can't use it to like take um, rule somewhere and then build, uh, uh-huh. which is which is how I always want to use it the times right. that I have it. Right. Um, however, so I would say Command Warren and Cobbler are kind of the backbone of our like, all right, well, uh, a dominance uh, a dominance play uh, could very much happen even like after we've crafted those two. So yeah. we so we invested yeah. two workshops into two rabbit clearings and we got Command Warren or Cobbler or both. And now we are able to suddenly, uh, you know, reliably do recruit actions and m- lots of movement, consolidating yeah. our cats and lots of battles if necessary in order to like, you know, they're trying to take away mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. our rule in a various er- in an area. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we go for we go for extra battles on top of that. Right. I feel like it's a more efficient and, and more open path than saying like, oh, we need brutal tactics and we yeah, need sappers no. and like like those in order well, to get a dominance victory. I feel like that it's helpful. I'm not saying it's helpful, it isn't. 
But there, there's a great point to kind of specifically bring up the quote that really struck to me from Garrick's, which was the table. And I think we're going to get into this in like our pitfalls section, but it's really I, we're just talking about it. So I want to mention it of the table is going to try to convince you that you are the police officer of the sure, table, yes, that you yes, are there to yes. go punch people. And that's you you don't have the actions to be wasting on unnecessary battles. Yeah. Everybody yep. else, the Eerie are going to have boatloads of actions. Make them go punch the vagabond or right. deal with the the um Woodland Alliance problem, right? You don't even have you don't have the cards to deal with the Woodland Alliance problem. So mm-hmm. getting a bunch of battle focused cards doesn't push us any better in a direction we care to go in because we don't want to be we just want to be building and crafting and building and crafting as right. much as possible That's what gets and then defending points. our territory yep. so so yep. yeah focusing on any sort of combat um centric abilities just doesn't really track for for me yeah i would also say whenever i see um i feel like the way that ambush cards work in mm. general are very much to um like like the idea of cats attacking a bunch of different people at, yeah. at the table and wasting a bunch of actions in order to do that, that and also probably getting hit by a lot of ambush yeah, cards because totally. you're everywhere who knows what what person you're going to end up fighting right uh, if i'm birds i could specifically target another player and if i don't get hit with an ambush i'm like okay well i'm probably all right then and also <laughs> right. generally i'm centralized so like cats have such a such like struggle more with the idea of getting all their cats together in one space so that ambush yeah. isn't going to be a huge deal. Yeah. Um, so like ambush, I think hurts the cats more than it hurts most other factions or at least control of uh, control factions that get to like kind of uh, have all of their warriors in one place. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Let's transition to the exiles and partisans deck. And I feel like this is where we, there's just so many good craftables. Um, and in a way in exiles and partisans that doesn't hinder the cats the same way the base deck does, uh, because so much of it is based on single territory control, uh, crafting. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a single bunny, a single Fox, a single mouse, all of that actually works. So we could talk about a billion cards. So we're going to (laughs) try to, to keep it a little bit more refined, but suffice it to say the points stuff is the same between the two decks, right? Totally. So. Two bunnies is still going to be great. Two foxes is still going to be pretty good. One of each is like the the critical mass that yeah. we need. Um, I would say the difference is that, so it's almost the exact same like workshops I, I would recommend. Like essentially two bunny, two fox, and then one mouse I think is like your optimal. Like uh-huh. if everything's going right, you'll get right. this. You're, you're probably not going to get that in a lot of, in, in a lot of games. But um, I would say it's more like, I think with Exiles and Partisans, I kind of just want one of each. Yeah. Like, if I can get one of each, it's like, okay, there's a lot of different stuff I could get. And the other thing, too, is while, you know, I feel like in the base deck, essentially what happens is because there's three cards that are really good Mm -hmm. um, rabbit cards that are useful, it kind of just makes it very automatic to invest in the two rabbit. Right. Whereas there's just like one less rabbit card yeah. in Exiles and Partisans that is super useful. And actually the two that are left are, they're still great, um, but they just work a little differently. Well, they're they don't little... cost as much. They don't require the two. So those yeah. those rabbit territories just don't become a point of contention. So right. let's, yeah, let's let's run through uh, kind of your favorites, Hunter. What's, what's yeah. up top? So read me, uh, let, let's talk about Swap Meet and okay. let's talk about Charm Offensive because okay. those are the two that are most like 
the cards we really like in the base deck. Yeah, yeah. So Swap Meet only requires one rabbit, and once in Birdsong may take a random card from another player and then give them a card. So you don't, yeah. it's not really card draw. It's not game no, cards, no, but it is no. cycle cards. It's get your deck to be more useful to yourself, yeah. generally speaking. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's that's how we're going to use it. We're going to use it to take a bird card that we, oh, now I've got a bird card that uh, I can use for an extra action. I'll give them this this mm-hmm. garbage that I didn't really care about. Or yeah. like, oh, we're, we're, we're hunting for points wherever we can get them. So I mean, if we draw... You know, the, one of the three victory, one of the one of the coins. Then we're right. gonna prioritize keeping that and trying to craft it and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's very it's. I think it is it is a solid enough card. It it is a bummer that it is not quite as good of yeah. as better Burrow Bank, but it does allow you to kind of prune your hand. Right, and also keep an eye on. I mean, there are things that you can pay attention to. Right, the the duchy and the lizards reveal their almost exactly. entire hand every yeah. single turn, and. The uh, the Woodland Alliance is a lot of times gaining cards. Sometimes you might lose a card to the Woodland Alliance because you move into their territories, but you could just swap meet it right back into your hand later. So sure. like, pay attention to where the cards are going, but especially that Lizard and Duchy thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's look at Charm Offensive. Charm Offensive is also one rabbit, and it is at start of evening, may draw a card and choose another player to score one point. Yeah. So, so Charm Offensive is great. Um, you have to be a little careful. Obviously, you're giving someone a point. Yeah. Um, you have to be careful about who you're assigning that point to. Mm. Um, it's a bummer that, as far as I know, you can't give it to someone that has that is on a dominance victory, right. which would they be have great. To be able you to just get funnel those point. points to them. So there will be a point where this becomes not useful. If I draw Charm Offensive towards the end of the game, probably not going to use it. Right. It doesn't even matter. But this right. is the closest we get to um, to better Burrow Bank yeah. uh, and actually getting our, our card draw up. So those are the two card draw ones. Okay. Um, and I think I, I think they are probably they're they're probably the most obviously useful, I think. Yeah. Okay. What else what else do you like? So uh saboteurs is I think basically useful across the board. Yeah. Um there that's are probably a couple, general that's just true for all factions to a yeah, certain extent. It, yeah, I mean it's the closest you get to sabotage in TI four of just like a card that that is very necessary. Um I will say uh there are a couple kind of combos in this deck that i feel like are kind of ridiculous i got to play mm-hmm. a game where i was the river folk company and i had a card which is called coffin makers um that kind of seemed broken but no one was able to use their saboteurs to, to stop me from using it mm. um but i would say as far as the humble cats are concerned <laughs> it doesn't feel like you have any broken combos yourself yeah um, now someone might be going crazy right now uh, and please hit us up because we right. are a little less confident about exiles and partisans than we are about the base Definitely. deck. Um, but yeah, so I'm very open to I'm open and ready and willing to accept some errata here. And if you are listening to this right now and you're a new player, maybe you know whenever that eerie guide or whenever the eerie out, um, overview comes out, uh, maybe check out the cat errata at the yeah. end of that because there might be something important here. But I think in general. Get saboteurs because somebody else is probably going to come up with some some weird stuff that you're not going to be able to take advantage of yourself, yeah, right. and then now you can sabotage it. Um, I think partisans are contextually good for cats. Okay. Now, partis- partisans is a weird card because it l- allows you to deal an extra hit in combat. I believe it's offense or defense. doesn't matter. Right. It's um, just in battle. in the cl- there, So there's one partisan of each 
uh, yes. category, fox, yes. rabbit, and mouse. So we're talking about, you know, getting any of them, depending on what your game looks like. And yeah. you may deal one extra hit, then discard all of your cards except for the card that this was in. So in, in this example, yeah. fox partisans, in battle in fox clearings, you may deal one extra hit, then discard all of your cards except foxes. So this is, yeah. by by every measure, this is a conditional card. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's very hard to talk about. And also, it's worth noting that this is the first time I've recommended a card that does any kind of extra hit yeah. or decrease hit. Or, you know, it, this is the first time I've recommended a card like that. And the reason that I like this card is, yeah, it hurts uh, having to discard all of your cards. And uh, I wouldn't do that in yeah. most situations. Right. Uh, it's worth noting it's a May. You don't have to do it. Um, but... As cats, I often find that my card draw that I am spending the cards as I'm getting them. I yeah, am I am right. tossing them out. I I have maybe a card every turn. Right. So the the problem here is not always going to be a problem, and in fact, in a lot of cases, it's not going to come up as an issue. I'm going right. to get to use partisans and just be like, yeah, no, I don't have any card cards anyways, right. or yeah, all I have is this one fox card, and right. it's a fox partisan, so. Whatever. And there's and it also helps reinforce the idea of like you're very much trying to reinforce like your main territories that you're in, right? So if I've if I'm getting my other bunny stuff and then I get rabbit partisans, that mm -hmm. helps me defend my rabbit clearings. Like it all kind of fits within the network of where yes. my buildings and everything are. Um, yeah. What what I like about partisans too is it's kind of an open ended card. Yeah. Um, it I might maybe I'll craft it and never use it. That's kind of a bummer, but. Maybe I'll craft it and only use it once, and in, in the time that I had to use it, it was like very important. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll craft it and oh, I'm going for a dominance victory in those clearings. Okay. Yeah. Well, now it's super useful, and I'm going to yeah. be using it over and over because <laughs> right. people are going to be coming. You know, the thing about dominance is people generally, if if you're set up for it, they're going to have to come and have multiple like kind of battle actions with yeah, you. Yeah. And so that partisan bonus is going to start doubling and tripling, you know, it's, right, it, right. it's every instance of a battle you're getting that. So yeah. Um, okay. It's worth noting in that way. Let's talk about soup kitchens. Okay. So soup kitchens is one of each one bunny, one Fox, one mouse, uh, your tokens now count toward rule and each of your tokens counts twice. Yeah. So when we're talking tokens, the big thing here is we're talking about wood. Yeah. Um, so the fact that this helps uh, keep, you know, you you get to you get to basically get a bonus to rule uh, that can be pretty sizable uh, mm -hmm. and make it easier for you to um, not be easily thrown off by someone just like moving um, their forces into your an area. eerie or duchy that all they have to do is show up and they outnumber you kind of thing. Right now they actually do have to fight through your stuff. Now I, what I what scares me about soup kitchens is it puts an extra big target on your wood. People already wanted the points, but now those points are doing something very big for you. Mm -hmm. um, but in a dominance scenario, it could just be too late. Yeah, and also, well, I will say that this this is a little bit of a Christmas land situation that we're putting together. It just seems like to the idea seems too potent to, to not know one of the most common ways that people will stop you from a dominance victory is not even necessarily by fighting you to death. Yeah. It's just by getting more stuff there. So you don't rule it anymore. Right. However, if you have soup kitchens and you have sawmills in those clearings, now that's kind of the Christmas land part. Of yeah, this. sure. Um, now all the wood that's been that that's sitting there is actually helping you maintain 
uh, your rule over yeah. those clearings in order to help you win the game. And they're, they are now literally going to have to fight you for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I would say soup kitchens might be conditionally great. I would not say that it is something to get every time or that yeah. it's even going to help out every time. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to note that possibility for, I actually like this next card maybe even better than soup kitchens. Okay. Um, I think it helps you in more obvious ways. Um, so what is it called? League of the uh, league of adventurous mice requires yeah. one mouse and it's once in daylight. You may exhaust an item in your crafted items box to take a move or initiate a battle. So that's interesting because this card has a completely different context. If vagabond is in the game or not. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, c a couple things there. We're exhausting it. We don't get to refresh our craftables. So it's kind of, it's one time use. That's kind yeah. of crummy. Um, it's nice that when the Vagabond comes to get the thing, it's going to be exhausted. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, it's not going to give the Vagabond an extra action uh, whenever they come get it from you, which right. they probably still will, depending on what the thing is. Yeah. Um, you are limited to move or battle, regardless of what it is, um, which I think is kind of funny that I can exhaust this root tea and then like battle someone, yeah. but that's fine. <laughs> um, it, I think, you know, we've we've already described that one of the the choke points with cats is their limited actions. And this gives you some some freedom. Some freedom there. And it's not the most reliable thing. It's really just the closest thing we have to cobbler uh command and command warren, warren in yeah. this deck. So it just gets sort of that honorable mention basically just yeah. by virtue of being like a hey, it helps, man. Come on. <laughs> Take right. what you can get. Yeah. Um and so but one of the problems with it too is that like you know, in a game without Vagabond, your craftable items are just going to sit there and nothing's going to happen to them. But with Vagabond, it might be that they're taking those items from you so quickly that you're not even going to get to use this, yeah. you know? Right. Um, right. So that's a little bit, it's a little bit tricky. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, just take all those things into account and just keep your eye on it. Don't just, right. don't, definitely don't craft this one just automatically. I would say the only automatic crafters that we've even talked about are really just swap me and charm offensive just because mm -hmm. card draw is so reliable so good. critical yeah. everything else we've talked about is kind because even saboteurs which i said was good is a bird card yeah so you so could you could spend that for an extra action and i would happily spend it for extra actions most of the time extra mm -hmm. actions are at the end of the day probably more important than really anything any um, crafted item you could could get yeah from the even bird crafted card. items i mean depending it, it's so fortunate that um, better bakes or the bake sale and uh, and the other one, the coins yeah. are rabbit and not birds. Because if they were birds, that would be a horrible oh, yeah. place to be. Right. Um, right. A lot of the a lot of the bird cards, you you aren't having to sacrifice more than I guess two points. There there is a two pointer that you would have to sacrifice. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's, that's so. The Poop. cats have a pretty notoriously not great win rate. Yeah, pretty uh, they're, bad. They're really they they're very hard to win with. Uh, even mm. though when you first learn this game, everyone else at your table might feel like the cats are ridiculous, right? Yeah. That very very first game of Root sometimes feels like how did any of how could any of us have ever done anything? The cats were all over the place and just it didn't even make sense. Right. Um, but there are a lot of major pitfalls. We've covered a lot of them, but I think we're going to kind of go over everything again just to make sure you understand because I think. Knowing the pitfalls of a faction is critical to addressing those pitfalls. Yeah. 
And that's how you find your wins is by eliminating your, you know, your negative aspects of your faction. So if anything, I would say this this section is more like the conclusion of the entire thing versus yes. like the where, you know, we're going to talk right. about how we actually win. But it's actually, I think, more about navigating these pitfalls. Or yeah, that's right. That's the more important part <laughs> than it is about finding the victory. If you navigate the pitfalls, you're probably going to do all right. Yeah, you might exactly. win just because you d- didn't play bad. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Let's talk. Let, let's let's sum it up real quick. We're limited to the three actions unless we can spend bird cards, which is fairly costly. Um, like I've kind of already said, I feel like I would do it almost every time unless maybe I would probably keep like a bird ambush card. Uh huh. That's critical. E- I would even say even that if we're in the late game, I might be okay. like, eh, maybe it's gotta go. <laughs> uh, I mean, I I I think it's critical in the early. I'm just saying, like, if if that extra action is maybe gonna let me win the game, yeah, of course. Uh, do I'm I'll throw it away. Yeah. Um. We need our card draw to increase, but that is difficult with recruiters uh, compared to other factions. Other factions get to just increase their card draw in a more understandable mm-hmm. way or like a, like an easier way. Yeah. Um, we have to build recruiters, which are like my least favorite building, yeah. but you do have to build them. I am definitely not. Please do not give me a Rada that's like Hunter said not to build any recruiters. I that would say make any you, sense. you sort of alluded to it earlier, but I would say you need to build. Before too long, you need to have built at least two more recruiters. You got to get that yes. little bit of card draw. Now, getting four more to get the second card draw, that seems actually out of my scope. To, like, that seems like a thing I'm very rarely going to pull off. But doubling my card yeah. draw is, yeah. is a big deal. I agree with that. So, I, but but I think there the, the time when I build the four is definitely all about dominance. It's yeah, probably yeah. not about anything else. Or sure. it's like I kind of got wiped out mm-hmm. and, and now I, we're I rebuilding. just have to, yeah, yeah. I just have to re- build that. Um, okay, so yeah, we have to commit um, to a focus between sawmills, workshops, and recruiters. Um, so changing course is difficult. Be ready to change course, though. Yeah. Um, I've definitely kind of laid out the path here of like, I think it's sawmills well, and workshops, and then maybe changing to recruiters. Right, and way. and sometimes the other players at the t- table help you with this, because you're, you're, your buildings are points. Uh, yeah. And I guess we're going to get to that here in a minute, but like... That's how you change course is you don't always have to be expanding. It's not necessarily like like Eerie is a faction where it feels like you are always on the move. Yeah, the cats like are shark. like, I build over here. I lost that territory. Time to go take that territory back and rebuild there. Oh, I lost the one I just got yeah. a minute ago. Time to go yeah. get that one. And you're right. constantly rebuilding on your own ground. Right. That's almost, yeah. It, I have played games where people have destroyed my stuff and been like, you know, that's honestly kind of a relief because at yeah. this point <laughs> we run out of room for all of these buildings. <laughs> they, it's it's all very, very well designed in that essentially we have so many buildings we have to put down. We only have so many building slots uh, and they're just, you're just going to run out of room. Right. Uh, so yeah, sometimes it's chill to let people destroy them because you might even get to a point where it's like, I don't have any building slots open. I'm not even producing enough wood at this point to yeah. like make it happen. I'm going to have to like overwork to even build a single building. Yeah, sometimes so losing sometimes, your sawmills is like a huge saving grace because you're not just putting yeah. even more. Your sawmills are generating free points on the board every single exactly. round if you're not that, using them. <laughs> that that so and that is the number so that so so that's the next point. Um, we are making points for the table as we place more buildings down and as yeah. the sawmills produce wood. Um, so you I definitely, I hate, hate, hate it whenever I have a sawmill with a bunch of wood stacked up. Yeah, we yeah. want to make like do whatever you can to keep building buildings. Right. Um. I mean, unless unless you've changed gears and you're going for dominance. Yeah. Um, and I would say that honestly, the 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 wood trap uh, is a maybe good reason to like put the sawmill with the keep. 
Yeah. Um, it is your, you know, the hardest uh, place to get to. But even then, like, yeah. you know, the more wood stacked up at that keep, the more it's like, oh man, Juicy you know what? Target. If I go over here and bust the keep, <laughs> then I yeah. might win the game. That's how many points you could make available. Right. Um, so the table, and, and we have touched on this a little bit, but the table is going to ask us to do stuff for them as we have the most territory at the beginning of the game. Um, however, because of all everything I just said, because of the entire summation of this, I, I think early game, even into the mid game, uh, we're basically going to have to say no to them. Do not let the table tell yeah. you what to do. Do not make it. Do not let them. Do not let them convince you that you are the one that has to do all the work. Yeah. With making sure that so and so doesn't get out of hand. That so and so doesn't get out of hand. Make it clear that. If somebody's going to do stuff about the about them, it can't be you because you are you are limited. Yep. You cannot be wasting actions uh, stopping the other players. And I feel like I'm I might be headed for a lot of pushback on this point uh, in particular because so much of root is about stopping each other players. Well, you have to do it as players. much as you can with anybody else. But the point will be by round four, all you have to do is point at your board and go, "Look, I get three actions a turn." Look at how many actions the Vagabond and the Eerie get per yeah. turn. Yes. And look how many yes. swords the Vagabond has. The, yes. the Vagabond can just walk around crushing sympathy tokens. It's not going to matter right. to them at all. The Eerie exactly. can go and punch. The, 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 the Eerie gets to move like 10 times a turn and then battle twice. They can go punch the Vagabond. Leave me alone. I'm only at 12 points and you all are at 18. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. That, that happens almost every single game. So I, I think... It will be your first couple games. It very much will be like, uh, no, we all have to like do something about it. But very quickly, I think the the table eventually gets to the point where they know, like, yeah, we can't rely on the cats for anything. They just they don't have any actions. So you're, what do you you're, expect? You're a cat. Be a yeah. selfish cat. You yeah. know what I mean? Like sit, <laughs> exactly. like like sit in the corner and just kind of like lick your own fur. Yeah. And just be like, yeah, I don't care what's I'm going on. Not here. interested I, in I am, what you have. I, I am just, literally I'm a cat. in making my my big tower in the yeah. sky. If somebody keeps looking at you and being like, man, you really got to do something about this vagabond. What you should do is you should put your hand on the table and you should just knock something off the table. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then run, jump turn up, and around, just run out of suddenly around, run out of the room as fast and as you just can. Show them your butthole. <laughs> yeah, here's my butt. Here's my butt. Do you, I do you need to see this? Here's my butt. <laughs> Uh, the the last point to all this is you, Hunter. You mentioned we are making points, like us putting uh, points on the table is like the, our buildings are points for other people. But it's important to know if we were just let's say we're rebuilding our fourth workshop over and over again. This is like in this territory where this person keeps killing it. Every time they kill it, they get one point, and every time I rebuild that exact same workshop, I get three points. Yeah, so that's great. You get to outpace them, uh, and so where where does our victory come from in all this? Uh, building and crafting and what's like what's the yeah, all the yeah. logic to it so here's the two tracks and this is this is really just emphasis to this point because this this th i feel like we've definitely made this over and over but i think you build i mean you build like you build like there's no tomorrow you build like <laughs> you're in the middle of the 2008 like housing <laughs> bubble and the crash is about to happen and it's like people are you know giving out real shady mortgages 
but you're just like I don't care. I'm I'm throwing up. You know what? We're gonna build lives in this house. (laughs) We are gonna build this subdivision, and no one's gonna live in it because the crash is coming because the bubble's about to burst. But I don't care, man. I'm a contractor. Okay, I just gotta build. I just gotta put this stuff down right now. Okay. Uh, so yeah, just obey your the capitalist demand yeah. <laughs> of building buildings and crafting items because that's what the game asks you to do, okay? Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, so the balancing act there is if you're gonna craft items, you have to draw cards. Mm-hmm. So getting your card draw up, building buildings, crafting items, and then if that stuff doesn't work out or if things kind of start heading in a different direction, I draw a juicy... Ju- juicy dominance that i'm like somehow sort of already set up for yeah dominance is is the the fallback i would say it's it's not even only just the fallback it's also the like the hail mary if like you know what the i am not winning this race i am losing this race so (laughs) let's let's roll the dice on on a dominance attempt yeah yeah um so yeah it's it's really all about you know getting enough recruiters out there for you to get to, for you to double your card draw and then if necessary essentially scrapping all that building more recruiters getting a good recruit action in the late game having a bunch of cats and, and yeah. making making that play um, but but crafting should always be a part of your yeah. of your game yeah always this is this is this didn't fit in anywhere else but i want to make the special consideration of to, to think about the other factions at this table let's just talk about the base game for a second because i can't get into all the other stuff but um treat the vagabond like they're your friend first off we've already talked about how your units are all over the oh, board sure. yes so yes. the vagabond without getting too in the weeds if the vagabond becomes hostile with you, if they are your enemy, your units being everywhere is a huge pain in their side all yeah. game long. You're just so they one have random an incentive. cat sitting yeah. even they, somewhere is annoying. They have all the incentive in the world to stay allied with you, which means they have all the incentive in the world to keep coming to you for the items that you keep crafting. Yes, so you just yes, keep crafting yes. any items. They're going to give you more card draw. On the flip side of that, the Woodland Alliance is like your worst nightmare because it always soaks up your cards. If you're trying to move in, their sympathy tokens end up all over your stuff and you're trying to constantly so if you're going to deal with any player at the table like it's probably going to be woodland alliance and you are probably not the vagabonds problem and that's where you tell the eerie hey eerie you are the one who is required to go slap the vagabond because i have no other option but to trade with this guy all game yeah yeah so uh, the dynamics all kind of shake out like that your relationship with the eerie is very conditional based on like the directions they go in and everything but within those two insurgent factions I would honestly prioritize hanging out with the Vagabond and like figuring out how to deal with the Woodland Alliance. Yep. I agree. Um, I, I agree that that is, that is a very natural way for the, for the economy of the base game to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, just the general takeaways there are insurgent factions in general are your nightmare. So yeah, the Corvids definitely. are also not great. Don't love them. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the Vagabond is your friend. Don't let people tell you to slap them around. Unless yeah. you're, un- unless I would say <laughs> Vagabond is your friend conditionally. Yeah. Uh, that as long as they are not going to win soon. I mean, yeah. there is a point where I would say that that I would stop being nice with the Vagabond and I would trigger the hostile yeah, so that sure. I, so that now all of a sudden, you know, all their the Vagabond stuff is isn't messy. moving around very, very well inside yep. my territory. So, right. 
Um, cool. We're well, gonna get pushback on that one. I'll tell you that. Much. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. But <laughs> the, but that. you know what? Those relationships are what is unique to every single game of Root. So it's like I, I'm making a claim there, but I know that's not true in plenty of games because literally that is that is what the design of Root is. Is like, hey, let's put these crazy abilities up against each other and see how the relationships shake out over the course of this game. So right, right. feel free to errata it, but I, I know that we're we're wrong in lots of cases. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, o- overall, I feel I feel pretty good about this um let let us know what you think yes yeah if this is like your first real uh root episode of ours if you kind of skipped over the other two because they seemed more basic uh we do errata which we're about to get to with uh our last twilight imperium guide which was the l1 z1x um but before we get into that just errata is where if we got something wrong or if there's a point you want to expound upon or there's just something we didn't even talk about at all if there's something that you feel needs to be addressed let us know and then we get to bring it up in the next week's episode uh as kind of a make make little addendums to to the previous week. So with that in mind, let's talk yeah. about the L one Z one X from last week, which is kind of a funny one because we don't and we don't really have specific quotes to pull this week because there was just lots of ongoing conversation. So there, I mean, it's just like anybody that was talking on the Discord <laughs> this week gets gets a mention. Yeah, um, yeah. Actually, let's. Uh, I'd, we can we can throw we can out throw some. a few out. I I know Dwarf King. I know Rogancy said a lot. Ginger was in there. Brian yeah. talked a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jahan Stads. Uh, who else? Who else? Who else? Agents. Uh, J seven three. All kinds of people added to this uh, conversation. Right. right. Um, but it, I, I it feels like it had a very specific um a specific point to it, which is which is very interesting for us. Yeah. Um, which is kind of inheritance systems versus not inheritance systems. Yeah. I want to be clear, we did cover we did cover both. Yeah. Um we definitely <laughs> didn't just cover one. However, in our original L1Z1X guide, we were like, eh, inheritance systems kinda meh. I yeah, think is not sort impressed. of what we said. <laughs> yeah, not 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 impressed. And since then, um I feel like there have been a lot of uh, a lot of changes to the overall kind of tech um out the outlook on tech in general yeah, there's a lot yeah. of uh versatility it feels like things like destroyer 2 upgrade becoming like like kind of coming into its own as far as how people think about it yeah um and not even to mention the like omega techs that have kind of changed the way some of these like really specific techs are um as far as how important they might be yeah. within a game um what we like about inheritance systems is is the versatility. Right. It, I mean, it's really just that simple. It's it's what makes you that what do we call it the universe barony of Joel Letnev, whatever. Yeah. Like it's like what that. it's the same idea of the Jolnar, which is that inheritance systems just opens up all of your options. Maybe yeah. not every game you need those options. Maybe some games you need to get going exactly. faster. So you do that blue tech path. You jump to gravity drive. You get super dreadnought two right away and you just play as tight and efficient as possible. And then you stop buying tech altogether and you invest everything yeah. into plastic. And I totally get that. L1Z1X can obviously be very, a very good plastic faction. Their dreadnoughts are ridiculous. Uh, but inheritance systems keeps that open keeps you relevant in two and two uh colors three upgrades and you can get way more dynamic i think the biggest reason i pushed for inheritance systems is i just really loved that assault cannon into destroyer 2 super dread fleet composition where i I didn't feel like i was lacking for not having gravity drive um so that was very good but again it's just not gravity drive like if if you can use inheritance systems to to just get the super dreadnought 2 then i don't know how important gravity drive is yeah. now obviously 
the thing about gravity drive is that you're going to get there a tech faster. Uh huh. Um, and without gravity the, with drive no can, skips. Yeah. Yeah. With with no skip. Um, and and I do feel like in in this in in the guide we kind of made it sound like a yellow skip for inheritance systems is kind of a big deal. Yeah. So definitely. Like, I, I don't uh, if think I don't we have like, the yellow skip, I I am very much questioning. I'm it, it is on call whether or not I decide investment. to do inheritance systems. Yeah, um, but so, with it, yeah. I 100% go for it. Like if I have the yellow skip, I'm doing it. And I saw a lot of people say if you have the yellow skip, you just get to skip to Super Dreadnought two even faster. You get anti mass round one, gravity drive into Super Dreadnought two round two. I I don't hate that. I don't hate that, but the opportunity to get inheritance systems very quickly and then start getting whatever I want. Like the idea of getting assault cannon and destroyer two on round three is more appealing to me than getting mm-hmm. super dreadnought on round two. Yeah. I think I just like the idea of having inheritance systems and being able to respond to whatever the game throws at me. Yes. Um, as long as, you know, I think L1, Z1X have some economy problems, some command counter economy problems that we talked about. Yeah. Um, their home system has no influence in it. It's nice that they have all those resources, but it does feel a little bit like, oh, okay. Um, so, I mean, it, it is kind of contingent on all that. It's like, do you want... I feel like in, in a lot of L1 games, uh, I'm like, oh, I'm a two-commodity faction, uh, I, but I, but yet I want to take trade because I need to figure out how to, figure, uh, how to solve my command counter economy it, yeah. problem. Right? right. So do I really want to, on top of having to spend probably more trade goods and average on command counters, do I also want to shell out another two resources? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, right. I think I think that that is the part that is a little bit scary with inheritance systems. And I think that is the part that ultimately I feel like people weren't talking about quite enough, which is like a lot of this, I think, is a little bit slice dependent, which yeah. makes it really hard for us to talk about in uh in an episode yes. i think the tech path stuff in general is just like it's just like i don't even know how we right how we specifically say that in all games this one tech path is gonna be right. the best one you no, know th- it's impossible I, I mean even brian pointed out I, th- I think it was brian uh in one of the tournament games uh practically ignored all standard <laughs> l1 tech paths right just didn't do any of the things you normally do where and then on the flip side of that you have jayhan who got two and four colors uh with with the l1 z1x maybe it was the 14 point game i forget but it was like it was you can do game. anything though is the point like yeah. you can do so much you can do as much or as little as you want with l1 and it's not right. gonna matter like it won't matter <laughs> you're gonna be good you're a good faction so just yeah. go for it yeah um so yeah that that's gonna wrap up the errata. Sorry, there weren't any more specific callouts this particular week, but that that conversation definitely dominated uh, the Discord. Uh, so, Hunter, what do we have coming up in the Patreon? Well, yeah. So, um, I've got a new poll out for the Hunter Donaldson Fan Club. I do have one announcement for how the Hunter Donaldson Fan Club will work going forward. Uh, I'm gonna kind of change the streaming schedule in general a little bit, um, and now. Um, that stream will be on Saturdays. The third Saturday of the month will be my goal. Um, and it will probably have a noon start Pacific Mm. time right now. I have it scheduled for July 18th, 2020. I do want to say that I am, and actually, I don't know if I've talked to you about this, Matt, but I am making a trip to Arkansas. Hopefully this is COVID contingent, (laughs) uh, meaning that I have to be tested and not have the COVID, (laughs) in order to travel and I will mm-hmm. probably have to get tested again. Right. Um, 
because I have to retrieve something physically with my body in Arkansas, <laughs> um, which is strange. Um, but uh, so I, I am, it is kind of contingent on that trip that has not been fully planned out because and trying having to travel cross country in the current state of everything is like the weirdest. It's very weird and it's yeah. almost impossible. And yeah. I might not even be able to do it. For all I know, I'm going to get the test and they're going to be like, well, you have it. You just didn't know because that's how it works. <laughs> right. And I'm like, well, all right. All I right. guess that's canceled. I I guess I shouldn't have bought that car, huh? Um, <laughs> that's what happened is I bought I bought a car in my family. Like I bought one of those family cars. Um, and now I have to go get it. Like that's a huge, it's, cr- it's so bad. Yeah. Uh, it sucks. Um, so here are your options for Hunter Nelson Fan Club. Um, I'm going to play a game of TI4 where everyone plays as the ghost of Krius. <laughs> I decided this time I just want them all to be wacky. Um, so yeah, all ghost of Krius game. Okay, that's one. Uh, second one, uh, we bring audience agendas back. Yeah. Um, we have a bunch of old audience agendas, and we pro- we probably write new ones. If you're in the Hunter Donaldson fan Maybe club, so, you can yeah. totally submit new ones, and we will dig up some of the old ones. A reminder of what audience agendas are, too. It's not just replacements for agendas. We do normal agenda phases, and then we also do audience agendas, and audience agendas completely destroy the game and open it wide like do things that would be unconscionable in a normal game of ti um and they're just we we throw a straw poll in the twitch chat and let twitch decide what happens to our game and it is almost always the worst thing that could have possibly happened in that moment there is a lost holiday spectacular game yeah so sad uh, that got lost to to technical difficulties that literally broke me because of audience agendas right i was just so destroyed yeah we Um, haven't done them since that game because of that game and now we're now we are we're sick of being strategy boys and we want to get goofy again right which is also though the the thing about that game is i i kind of love it and and it it sucks that it doesn't exist because that is the one that made me the the holiday spectacular champion for probably a very long time i have two holiday spectacular victories congratulations Um, i am the santa claus of Twilight Imperium. Um, <laughs> so the next the next possibility is a game of Root where I play versus all robots. I really want to do this one. They will <laughs> stomp me, and it will be very funny. And uh, and please, that, that one's very funny to me. Um, yeah. uh, n- never gets any votes, and I yep. just keep putting it in there because I'm just like, <laughs> I think this is funny. Um, another one would be uh, Root with all homebrew factions. Um, I've been looking through some of them. They look really interesting. I yeah. would love to just not just drop one of them in, but just like, let's just throw it all out there. Um, I recently played uh, on Twitch. If you want to check out the, the VOD for this, I recently played uh, tactic blues, um, 17 homebrew factions that he made with the community. Uh, They're all really crazy. And that was a really wild game. Um, Also, uh, well, here, uh, I'll, here's your last choice for Hunter Olson Fan Club. Uh, Twilight Imperium RPG 2, you're welcome, okay? <laughs> I, just the fact that I would throw that out there as an option, I am such a, a, such a kind Hunter Donaldson. Benevolent. I am the kindest Hunter Donaldson, okay? <laughs> I will say that. Um, and then also, uh, no new Galactic Council poll yet. Uh, that will be next week. Uh, but the episode that won is a Twilight Imperium lore episode, so strap in. We about yeah. to get weird. Um I will and, probably, if I'm in it much at all, it will be very limited because uh, yeah. baby time is about to, con- it's already been consuming my life, but I also go back to work next week, so yeah. my free time gets even more. But we'll taken. see who we can get. That one's exciting because yeah. I'll, f- I'll have to find us some guests. Yeah. Um, 
But, uh, okay, actually, a couple things I wanted to mention. So I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the Tactic Blue um, factions uh, as far as, like, what that game was like. Uh, please check it out. There is a video that Flat Tomatoes um, clipped of uh, Tactic Blue describing all 17 of those factions. If you're interested in some homebrew content um, thus far for TI4, uh, this is the best. Um, Patience is actually getting together a tournament uh, and it's not an invitational tournament. It is like open signups. So anyone can sign up for this. Um, it's going to be 36 players all playing the, the, the blue faction pack. Um, and you sign up in the tournament chat on the TI4 Discord. I'm pretty sure you just pop in and say like, hey, I would like to sign up for yeah, it. Yeah, I've, I've seen them, just people ch- jumping in and asking for positions. I have no idea where they're at, in term- especially we're recording this three days before it'll come out. So who knows how many spots are left? I don't even know how many spots they're trying to fill up. I, one would assume 36, but who knows? Yeah, I would say if you're if you're interested, check out the the YouTube video that Flat Tomatoes made, um, and then just kind of see like, oh, do, do these seem up my alley? And then yeah, just just sign up. I, I think the games are going to be the weekend of July 24th to 26th. Mm-hmm. Um, they've already picked a map. The draft for it is pretty interesting. Actually, I'm going to need to talk to you about that off air map because their okay. their draft system was real good. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. And oh, and I should say that I have a, a root game coming out on the YouTube of uh, me playing as cats. Um, just as you know, since it's cats week, that's cats how I week. like to do it. Um, and then for the Twitch schedule, um, I'm actually not going to be doing any TI uh, this weekend. I'm taking a break from TI, but I will be doing root Thursdays, two games, one at noon Pacific and one at 6 p.m. Pacific. Cool. I want to thank all of our Space Kitties, Farganus, Brian, Billy, TG Welch, and Philroy, and our Space Kitties. Did I say Space Kitties before? <laughs> weird Bears? Space I did. Twice. Our Weird Bears, the ones I just said, and our Space Kitties, Naderade, Patience is a Virtue, Polyphony Requiem, Julian, Rwise, Hippie Beastos, Gazkio, Strict Nine, Dark Jutsu, More Tension, Bot Bot, and Visper. If you love this show, if you like this show, if you think this show is okay, if you don't like this show, Give it five-star rating. Do it. Do it, coward. You won't. <laughs> on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you, if, regardless of your reaction to this show, give us five stars. Wherever uh, you're at on the continuum, it should equal five stars. Five stars. Maybe it's out of ten. I don't know. I don't know how it works. Uh, you yeah, can find oh, us. that would be great. Okay, if we have a hater that's listening right now and you're just like, I hate these two guys so much, yeah. give us five stars, but then write, it was five stars five out, out of ten. ten. Okay? That was, it was it's actually a five out of ten. It's actually really bad. That's actually pretty, pretty bad. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Space Cats Pod, Facebook, Space Cats Peace Turtles, and you can find the link to our Discord in the episode description so you can join in on all the conversation and get in on the current root conversations, the current TI conversations, all the fun business. Come hang out with us. Yar. Come mm-hmm. hang. Won't you? Come join the fun. <laughs> 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 oh sorry my cat my cat Hunter, is here shut your cat up my uh, sorry my cat started meowing at me <laughs> okay okay marquise i named my cat marquise uh, that's not true the cat's name is ira <laughs> that's all that's all the cat bits that i have <laughs> yeah it's just meowing suddenly <laughs> Thank you.
thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles. Thank you to all our patrons, and thank you to Brian Capillus for the use of his music. You can find more at wanderinglake.bandcamp.com. Thank you.